knowing what to do But it's gonna be alright The guys will get you through It's the Minute of Darkness podcast, where we discuss and overanalyze the 1992 classic, Army of Darkness. Previously on Minute of Darkness. The man Rick Ingham describes as the enemy of science lab skeletons, Ash Williams, has driven off the Army of Darkness, and the fair maiden Sheila is fair again. Everything looks cool until Arthur and Henry's men face off. It's kind of tense. All right, you primitive screwheads, here are your hosts, Brad and Ryan. We are at minute 71 of Army of Darkness. Ryan, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing just peachy tonight, Brad. How are you doing? Very good, very good. So we had a little bit of chance to, to warm up to this, and uh, you, you had a, a, a happy hour before you came here? It was several happy hours. It was several subsequent happy hours, but I've been, I've been very happy uh, since like three so, uh, you know, uh, the greatest thing about working with friends is that you're working with your friends. And uh, when you all just kind of look around at each other and say, so you know what, today is a day that we leave work early and pretend it's an out-of-office meeting and get hammered. So that's kind of <laughs> what happened. And, and now here we are. All right. Well, this is very exciting. Uh, it's funny that you talk about this because uh, we recorded in advance. And uh, the episode that was released the day of this recording was from uh, our time talking with you and Jared Yui. That was uh, the drunkest week of this podcast. That's absolutely, hands down, no question, the drunkest week of this podcast. But it sounds like you might be competitive, so we have some exciting stuff. Uh, more exciting stuff is we have a guest with us today. And uh, Mr. Guest, how would you like us to refer you to? <laughs> Your Majesty will work just fine. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, it. Uh, I, I was more talking about, you know, your name and where you oh, would okay. podcast well, you. I'm Thomas from, from the NeverEnding Minute. Uh, happy to be here with you guys. Looking forward to this. Uh, very happy to have you. I uh, I love NeverEnding Story. That was such a, a, such a great movie, and it's one that really locks in with everyone's childhood, especially people my age, because uh, I, I remember that when it came out, and it was such a neat, sort of weird, magical movie. Um, very cool, and it's also one of those movies that, and let me see if you agree with me on this, very good. It was obvious, it was obvious that no one expected it to have the success it did, so then they uh, proceeded to come out with some terrible, terrible sequels to that film. Oh, their sequels were atrocious. I've actually only seen the second one, and I have not seen the third one, but the second one was nothing to really write home about, and I guess that's why I never ended up seeing the third one. But the first one was absolutely fantastic, and it was, as I've said on the show, it was like the anthem of my youth. It was everything that my childhood was was mostly because of that movie. No, I, I was going to say, I, I love that, because I'm with you. We, you and I are paddling the same boat on that. I mean... Um, I love the never-ending story, and I had kind of like a weird fascination with the movie as a kid. Like, um, I would just watch it all the time, and uh, my parents would like, 
are you are watching that movie again? <laughs> and like, uh, <laughs> it really kind of inspired me, like, just to really kind of run with my imagination. Cause like, I mean, the whole world and like how it's all developed and like, there's a lot of depth and there's like great character development. And then there's a lot to just like kind of leave to your imagination. And you kind of like can imagine yourself like being in that world and like having those adventures. And like, I, I love the never ending story. It's definitely one of my like top, five favorite movies ever there were there were a few years of my life where i strongly believed that if i wasn't using my imagination and creating things with my mind that fantasia was going to die i thought the burden was completely on me and i was the last one that actually believed in this stuff and if i didn't if i stopped then fantasia would die <laughs> yeah no it, it definitely uh it, it cut to the core it definitely left a mark for sure so you're doing god's work with the the movie minute podcast on that. So thank you for that. Exactly. Trying to, trying to carry on the, the tradition and, and make sure <laughs> that Fantasia stays alive. Well, I remember watching the second one and there, there was like a couple big, there were two big reasons to see the second one first. You know, I love the first one so much. And the other thing is they were going to release a brand new Bugs Bunny short before that movie. Cause it was a, I think it was after Roger Rabbit where they sort of that sort of zany animation was coming back in style. And they was like, Oh, we're going to make a new animated short with Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck. And they're going to, Elmer Fudd's going to be on it. And I was like, Oh, and I love those cartoons when I was younger, but then it turns out it was garbage. It was really, really bad, and I'm just sitting there watching this short, and it's like a couple minutes in, and I was like, oh, this is this is shit, and then the movie starts, and it's like, well, at least the movie will be okay, and then I'm like, oh, no, no, this is shit, too. Oh, this is just a shit experience, Tom bottom. <laughs> yeah, we've actually got a running dare on the show that if enough people show interest and, and request it, we'll do the second and the third one. <laughs> oh so, man that's <laughs> i don't know how much how much uh interest there'll be in that and i'm i'm hoping it's not too much but if it is we'll we'll buckle down and we'll do it i, I imagine there'll be at least be something interesting to talk about with it because bad movies can sometimes have more discussion especially following up a, a great movie so it's like okay how do we talking about how things went wrong and in a lot of cases the difference between a good movie and a bad movie is really on paper very slight and it's like it hits all the same notes why isn't this good and it turns out it's because of a less charismatic actor or just the story itself didn't lend itself to a sequel so it, it could be interesting and uh, uh, Never Ending Story three, one of the first performances by in a movie by Jack Black. So uh, Jack Black, yes. Do you have that? Oh man. Yeah, um, and the second movie has its merits. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but the book itself um, that the story's um, written after the first movie is only like the first half of the book, and the second movie is loosely, very loosely based on the second half of the book. So there's at least that going for it. Mm. So at least, theoretically, there was enough story there. Oh, very interesting. Well, I, we recommend everyone check that out. We'll give you a chance to plug it again at the end of the episode. But really excited to have you with us. And we are, this is this is the last week of this show, uh, of the... Uh, this is it, folks. We're really glad we were. We, we have so many. We've had so many great guests. Um, everyone from the guys from Pelly Media, um, Ryan's lovely wife Katie, and uh, of course Crystal Beth, who has been on all these shows. She was your first guest, correct? Yes, yes, she was, she, and she was absolutely amazing. Did great, 
she did a great job christening the ship. So <laughs> she's just wonderful, and uh, you know, really, really lucky. Uh, all the shows that have been fortunate to have had her are very fortunate. Um, so uh, it's Monday, so of course, uh, to, to begin off our, our our Monday episodes, we have our Katie's question segment. A curious girl wants to know the world doesn't mean to start a fight, but she knows she might not here to start trouble. She has got to know Is there a Katie question ready for us? Yeah, uh, a softball again, but, um, you know, it's still pretty serious. Um, What's your favorite summertime horror flick? One you like to just watch and enjoy. You know, I have an odd soft spot in my heart for Scream, and I think it's because of the humor that comes with it, which is probably the same reason I like this movie. Like, all the acting in it is so overdone that it honestly makes me laugh every time. Like, it, it, the, the stuff that should not make you laugh, like when she's hanging from the garage door and her guts are splaying out, you know, for some reason I find that hilarious. <laughs> Just because it's so overacted and at the end when he's like, my mom's gonna kill me. It's it's just it's one of those movies that I always like sitting down with and, and will always give me a good laugh and it's technically a horror movie, so Sure. No, that's a good one. No, that's like a good that. one. That, that's a really good call. Uh, I, and I enjoyed all the... I, I didn't see the reboot from a few years back with Emma Roberts. It was Emma Roberts who was in the last one, correct? I think so. I think I kind of lost track with it. I just liked the first one so much, not the other ones. <laughs> I, you know, I like the second and third one. And uh, because of how self-aware those movies were, they were able to sort of lean into having you know the crappy sequels and turn that into part of the joke. So I, I enjoyed that. That was a that's a good call. Uh, two pop to mind, and they're funny. They're they're definitely very. Um, low caliber horror movies where horror might not even be the right term more they're more one's more suspense one we're like a weird sort of zany comedy with horror elements uh the first is a classic and it's sort of the prototype um summer blockbuster jaws love jaws okay oh good call jaws is sort of personifies a lot of the great things we've talked about with army of darkness where it was them doing a, a lot with a little, where you had the malfunctioning mechanical sharks, and Steven Spielberg realized, like, well, we're just going to have to do a lot of, show a lot of fins, use the music, and use the tension, because the shark looks like crap, and we're going to have to just get by with what we have. Um, the other, which is more like a, sort of a comedy dressed up like a, a suspense horror movie, was Arachnophobia. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Fucking John Goodman, man. Really yeah. bringing it home. <laughs> It was so good in it. <laughs> John Goodman was so good, and that's when he was first really starting to become a, a movie star, because at that point he was sort of known as being the lead actor on Roseanne, and I don't think I think they were trying to figure out a way to work him into movies, because obviously not your uh, Brad Pitt-esque leading man good looks, and he was great, and I 
I was pretty scared of spiders when that movie came out, so it was actually much scarier than it had any right to be for me going to see the movie. I, I liked it quite a bit, so that, that that's one that sort of holds a warm place in my heart. So that, that that's uh that that's what I'm uh, p- pulling out. So what about you? What about you, Ryan? Great movies. Uh, the two movies come to mind, and um, I've been looking at this question for like three days, and 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 they didn't come to mind. Uh, but when I asked it, that's when they popped in my head. There's two, uh, winter and summer. Uh, Sleepy Hollow would be winter. Um, it's it's definitely like one of my all-time favorite movies um, for like just the Halloween time. Uh, Johnny Depp was great in it, and um, you know just like uh, Tim Burton did a great job with like the set development and just like the production value of that movie is just I think just kind of underrated and like it's just got a really couple of great scary scenes and like the story is great and love it. And then for summer is definitely hands down without a quite without a doubt slither oh 2006 if i recall correctly Ooh. uh directed by james gunn and uh uh like one of my uh personal favorites uh nathan uh, fillion who i'm gonna assume that we all know who that is <laughs> yes yes um, i do okay sure <laughs> um it is it is just like a really great movie and um, I like can't stop watching it. Anytime it's on, I'm totally watching it. So um, so yeah, and and also like Michael Roker, Rooker is in it, um, which is kind of like hysterical because like he was in Guardians and yep. like <laughs> kind of have that connection. And you know, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> and, you know, it's like he's in Slither. So um, I like those two movies. Uh, they're definitely my fun movies. I like to watch winter or summer. Very cool. Yeah, I like Slither a lot. Um, and James Gunn, who went on to direct the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And, uh, you know, a little Easter egg in um, the first Guardians movie where they show up at the collector's uh, collection where he has all the, the... One of the creatures from Slither was in was in that collection. Jump back? Really? I didn't know that. So he's basically doing the, the Raimi thing with the Slither stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny with james gunn and i've really enjoyed the guardians movies but it's it's definitely a thing where he has because he's doing something that's a little bit off the beaten path and because it's a cosmic move their movies are cosmic and not taking place in the heart of the marvel universe he definitely gets away with some stuff that i i I don't think the captain america guys the russo brothers would because uh, it's it's off in space so we can have the creature from slither and all these other little easter eggs that he likes to sprinkle about you know i think slither was really the movie where he was sort of becoming the director who would go on to direct guardians because before that he would just did some trauma stuff and some low budget stuff so it was a proof that he could you know handle something with a bigger scope good call very good call absolutely thank you what were katie's answers Oh, no, she didn't roll with that this week. Oh. She was like, you know, fuck you guys. <laughs> you answer this question, I'm going to do yoga and be super upset that my significant other didn't give me french fries, and I'm going to kill him at some point tonight. That's that's <laughs> nice. where my wife's at right now. We have that to look forward to, <laughs> yes. at least. Yeah, First, know, right? minute by minute podcast with an orange screen death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew we would break boundaries. We're on minute 71, and the big battle's over. When we left minute 70... Arthur and Henry, the Reds' armies, were sort of facing off. Everyone was pulling their swords. You had that great foley sound with the, you know, the swords being drawn. Uh, and you know, we know they're not going to fight. But they, they have to, <laughs> to, to, to bring up the tension. As Minute 71 begins, we have the close-up on Arthur. Uh, really still sporting the mullet bowl. So uh, 
Oh my gosh, those bangs. <laughs> those bangs, that intense stare. I have to say my favorite part of this, the first second of of the minutes you gave me is that I get the mustache oh. in the background. Oh, yeah. The co-star of the movie is right there. It's, it's actually a little heartbreaking. <laughs> we don't get a real good focus on the, the blacksmith of the epic mustache. He, he's really done with the movie. It's, it's heartbreaking. That's, that's very keen of you, Thomas. I don't know if I've ever noticed that before. Um, that's that. I think that's the last time we see the blacksmith, and I'm very sad. You know, I've heard you guys throughout this whole podcast talking about the mustache, and I was so thrilled that there was at least this part, this much of it in my minute. <laughs> oh man, yeah, God, I've never noticed that part before. We have the close up on Arthur, then we have a close up on Henry, also with an intense look, better hair stuff going on with Henry. But you know, other than that, it's a very, very much a mirror image of each other, and. They launch, lurch out from their, their group of soldiers, meet in the middle, and I tell you what, it is the broest of bro hugs between these guys. There's just so much back slapping, <laughs> yeah. and, ah, and like that thing where you hug, but you're sort of wrestling and beating each other at the same time. No, what I wrote, what I wrote down about their hug is that the ballet begins with lift and then a twirl. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's pretty accurate, and uh, it's it's Arthur. That, yeah, it looks like a ballet lift, like a weak attempt at one at least. It's Arthur that lifts him. That's crazy. He even does the little curling his feet up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So this happens. Everyone's happy. Everyone's cheering. You have Ash like switches from uh, concerned to surprised to really happy, um, and then. Arthur and uh, Henry run over to Ash and Sheila. They're shaking hands. They're like congratulating each other. All of a sudden, finally, Arthur is uh, he's, he's call he calls Ash his friend. It's like oh, everybody's friends now. Calls him his friend. It reminds me of uh, you know I, I, I mentioned this before. I used to do uh, community. Th- I used to do community theater, and there would always be the two people who couldn't stand each other right up until the cast party and then they're hugging and they say they want to work with each other again i think every creative pursuit has that when there's two people who don't get along if you make it to the end without killing each other all of a sudden you're best friends because eh, why not yeah um so i it took me a a couple playthroughs to figure out what it was that arthur said to him at first and he i think he says the debt's paid is what I got out of it. And then he says, well, one friend. And then um, the other guy comes in and says, we won the day. But the death paid took me forever to figure out what he actually said there. I like that. As you pause this, you know, going frame by frame, looking at the faces that Bruce Campbell makes here, he just, he's not afraid to just wide open mouth, you know, teeth showing, showing everything he's got. Even with all the mud and stuff, he's still, you know, classically handsome. And... His, his facial expressions are just worth pausing and looking at. Oh, yeah. This is a guy who, and this is the perfect movie. He's the perfect actor to perfect movie where, hey, the, he can really show his emotions. Now, th- that wouldn't work with every movie. I, I'm sure there's and there's work that he's done that's been a little more serious where he had to tone down because he has a really expressive face. And they probably say, he's like, go down to like 10% because if you if you do that in the wrong film, it comes off as overacting. But since this movie is so ridiculous, ah, go, go ahead, go ahead. You you, uh, you 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 tell everything because, quite frankly, in some of these scenes, there's not a lot of script. One thing I want to 
make note of not so much for this minute, but for the next one is her hair in this minute. She has that really tight. It looks almost like a tight curl, and it's really her hair looks really short in this in this part of the movie. I know in the next minute, once she's you know fixed herself up, it's almost like she has completely different hair. That is a note I have as well, because you're right. It, apparently, overnight, yeah, or perhaps just to hold that out of experience, or more more likely, they just brought her back for more filming later, and they didn't get the hair right. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Just top to bottom in this film, there's been a lot of inconsistency with uh, everyone's hair. You know, uh, Arthur had, uh, for a while, he didn't have the mullet bowl, and then all of a sudden the mullet bowl showed back up fiercer than ever. Um, and a- Ash's hair has been sort of inconsistent. It's always been magnificent, but it has been inconsistent. Well, that's one of the things that makes this movie great, is that we we don't expect perfection from it, so you don't get lost in those 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 little details don't pull you out as much because you're not expecting perfection. You're looking for the entertainment in the movie instead of the details. Yeah, I I often enjoy the um ah like say when the doors came out, Oliver Stone's the doors came out, and they would have the list of hey it was a great movie, but here are the twelve things that don't make sense in it. Like the release of certain songs came out of order, or you know stuff like that. The the, the the mistakes that are made, or Coca-Cola didn't have that bottle design when it came out. And that makes sense for the doors because it's trying to transport you to that time. But when when they try to do that for... I remember somebody did a similar list for the second Austin Powers movie. It's like, we don't give a shit. It's Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Really? Yeah, it's it's not trying to be a docudrama. It does, it does make for fun... For fun analyzing like this, though, like just because you get to make these notes like, yeah, this is one of the other things that makes this movie unique and it doesn't change the way you feel about it. But it's nice to note them at least. It can be fun to note if it we're just sort of doing it like we're hard. It's like, hey, did you notice from there to there? But it don't portray it as a criticism or a weakness of the movie when it's obvious that's not the point of the movie. So everyone's happy. Everyone's cheering. The camera pans out, and I always like this sort of outlining the the screen is you see the left arm of the right arm of two soldiers from the opposing sides cheering, and you hear somebody else like, we're brothers now, a new king- kingdom is born. A new kingdom is born. Oh, so who's king of the new kingdom then? Yeah, this kingdom isn't going to last long. Yeah. Arthur. <laughs> it's gonna be Arthur because he's the one that still has it. Like, actually, still has a castle. I, I think if you have the castle, that's when you become you become king. So one thing before before we go too far is we have Ash and what's her name? I'm sorry, Sheila. Oh, Sheila. Sheila. Ash and Sheila there with the two kings. And the second it pans out to the wide shot, the kings are nowhere near Ash and Sheila. They're like twenty feet away. Oh yeah, look at that. That is, man, Thomas, you got a really good eye for this. I am impressed. <laughs> yeah, you took it down with a fine tooth comb. Way to go, man. But then, you know, you're talking about pending down to these two arms. And it was hilarious to me how if you wait for it and you're watching it minute by minute, all of a sudden it looks like the arms <laughs> set on fire. That I did catch. That is, yeah, yeah. It's, well, and then what's interesting is you have this great scene. They're cheering. Now, this could have very easily been the end of the movie. They could have done a, you know, Return of the Jedi, celebrating with the Ewoks thing. But uh, things start happening very fast where the scene fades. The, we're back in the castle. Ash and the, the wise man. The wise man is cre- uses the Necronomicon to create a potion. 
and we have uh, some voiceover from the wise man. You know, this is going to send you back. You need to say the three words again. Man, it still pisses me off. Why haven't they written this down yet? And it, it, this part of the movie always kind of bothers me a little bit because they know the problem that he had with the first time, but there's no mention <laughs> of it here. Like, not even the slightest nod to it where everybody would expect one. Like, okay, <laughs> you screwed this up last time. Let's get it right this time. Nope, he just glosses over it like it's going to be fine. You just don't get it. Like, I mean, at this point, even if you are the idiot hero where Ash clearly is, at this point where he's like, okay, here's the potion. Here are the words. He's got this super serious look. He's like looking at the potion. He's like all sorts of like, I am the man of the day. I did all this. I won the day. He should have said, can I get that in writing? Can you just write it down for me so I don't screw this up again? But no. Yeah, that or have him do the whole, I got it, I got it again. Something, some kind of callback to the previous time. Yeah, it's... uh. It was a lot of fun. And, and what's interesting is, and I think we can talk about this now, um, This that wasn't originally what happened. That's why they did it as a voiceover. Uh, Thomas, have you ever seen the original ending to uh, Army of Darkness? I don't believe I have. Or if I did, it was so long ago, I don't quite remember it. In the original ending, he was given a potion. He was told, you and with a dropper, and it says, you have to drink one drop for every century you want to sleep. So Ash goes into a cave. I believe they blow up the front of the cave so no one will disturb him while he sleeps. While he's he's counting each drop, and then there's some sort of, like, uh, some rocks fall or something to distract him, and he takes an extra drop. He wakes up a hundred years past where he meant to, and it's a post-apocalyptic world. He has, has a long beard. He's uh, you know, covered in rags. And there's no there's no people or anything. And there he is screaming. It's very uh, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember that. But that is a pretty fantastic ending for the idiot hero. Definitely more of a... Sam- It'd be a great ending if they had concrete plans on another movie happening. Because it's like, oh, because it's very reminiscent of what happened at the end of Evil Dead 2, where he ends up in Arthurian times, and now he'll be in a post-apocalyptic future, and then it would be great, because, okay, now we would have to fight the dead, it's 100 years in the future, and all that stuff. We could have a lot of fun with it. But I think they, because they weren't sure if they were going to do more of these movies, and because it was such a downer of a movie, and I think perhaps because the movie ended up being lighter than it was expected, they went with the ending we're going to talk about this week. But uh, yeah, so that's why they sort of ADR'd that, say the three words again, and no one's reacting to it because that wasn't actually the plan when they um, filmed it. But yeah, but in the reality of the movie, they really should have still written that shit down. So where was that? Was that actually viewable somewhere? Uh, it's just on YouTube. It's not, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if it like was on a I'm sure it's on like special features or something, but I wasn't sure if originally it was like released with that other ending or if they went with this one. It's been a lot of versions of this movie. The, the, this is definitely <laughs> the, this is the the version we're watching and that's why we chose this one. This is the one that went, made it out into theaters. Um but yeah, they've done so many just dozens of special editions of this on DVD and Blu-ray that uh it, it in a lot many of them had that had as an extra, or I think there was even one that said, he's like, hey, the director's cut with the original ending that as he intended. I know 
Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi have both, at least in some interviews, stated a preference for the original ending. I I don't know, but, you know, that's always a cool thing to say. I like the original ending better. I, I, I sort of like the one that we have because it's so cartoony and ridiculous that it does, you know, sort of, I think, goes well with this film. Plus, just the fact that... Right. Ash has been beaten up so much and finally becomes the hero at the end of the movie. He sort of <laughs> has earned it. Yeah, I, I'm willing to go with that. Ryan, what else popped out at you from this minute? There's one thing that popped out at me at this minute, and it was when uh, it was before the epic bro hug that Arthur and Henry had. And like Ar- Arthur is giving this look, he's, he's wide-eyed, and you don't know if he's happy or if he needs to take a dump or if he's really sad. And then like he runs at Henry, and they embrace, and they do the little ballet lift. There is an actor playing dead next to those two. And I noticed this years ago, and for some reason, whenever I see this scene, that's the only thing I can see. He's laying down like planked down like arms to his side just laying down like with a shield and sword next to him and he's you you see him and it's like he's trying so hard not to move it's clear he's not a mannequin he's not a he doesn't have any prosthetics or anything like that and it's like everyone's moving and animated in the scene except for him and you can almost like feel it when you watch him you're like, oh god, I'm the only one that's not moving. This is terrible. Like, I, I just, I, I see it every time, and like, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to kind of call that out, because um, I find it entertaining and hysterical. So it's like the only thing I see when I watch the movie, kind of like, uh, as it is, and I don't break it down. But that's what happens when you watch movies too many times, or if you watch a minute by minute like this, you then do become like focused on it. Like the the opening scene where Ash lands on the stunt mat. All I can see is a stunt man in that stunt mat in that first minute. Right. So, uh, Thomas, what what else did you uh, have? To, anything else that you had to call out from this minute? Um. Well, I just like the fact that they have these two quote unquote huge armies, <laughs> and it's like ten people on each side at this point, and half of them are dead in the middle. And then, even with that that small size, they still have been working really hard on their their battle shouts. <laughs> so this army of, you know, 20 people total shouts like it's about 300 people. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then as as we were talking about the arms on fire, I love that transition that Raimi does here where he goes straight from that fire to the fire underneath the pot mm. and uses it just to transition to the next scene without you know, almost seamlessly. I thought those two things were worth noting. Yeah, Raimi, well, Raimi's just a good director, and he knows how to, he, he knows all the cool tricks and uh, the interesting fade-outs and fade-back-in and uh, how to how to convert a scene. It, it's, uh, the man knows what he's doing. Um, not very cool, very cool. Um, so I think, well, Thomas, uh, refresh our listeners again. Uh, you're going to be back with us tomorrow, but uh, if they can't wait that long, they need to hear more from you, um, where should they go? All right, well, if you want to find me, I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram at the Wookie Lives. Um, that's Wookie as in Star Wars with two E's at the end of it. Um, also, if you want to check out my show, I'm doing the Never Ending Minute, which is exactly like this format. We're looking at the Never Ending Story minute by minute. 
Um, if you're interested in checking that out, we are on iTunes and Google and Stitcher. Just look for Never Any Minute. If you want to go look at back episodes, you can also look on growlermedia.com slash Minute. You can check Never Any Minute out on Twitter at NevEndMin. That's N-E-V-E-N-D-M-I-N. Join our listener society, the Never Any Minute Listener Society, and like our page. I think that's all the plugs I have for now. We recommend everyone do that. It's been fantastic having you. Uh, we're looking forward to having you t- uh, tomorrow. Um, and uh, is it, this is beginning of an exciting week. This is a, a sad week. It's it's sad. We just had our we we had our last Katie question. Um, we're we're gonna try to bring that back. Yeah, you you Thomas, you got to be part of the last Katie question. And I'm honored. They've been wonderful to listen to, and I'm honored I got to take part. We, we've talked about uh, <laughs> trying to bring that over to the, the flagship show, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, because quite frankly, they're just too much fun. But uh, it's the, this is the last proper one. Um, all right, Ryan, I, I think we beat up this minute pretty good. Uh, is it time to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up, man. Minute of Darkness is produced by Geppetto Studios. Find out more at CosmicGeppetto.com. Our email is minuteofdarkness at comcast.net. I'm Rick Ingham from the Mad Max Minute Podcast. Don't touch that, please. Your primitive intellect wouldn't understand alloys and compositions and things with molecular structures. 